This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 1st, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Now that the Supreme Court has thrown out a key provision of the Voting Rights Act, the Department of Justice is moving to more vigorously apply other provisions of the act. Ilya Shapiro, Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. So Section 4 provides the formula for which jurisdictions, states, counties, etc., are covered by Section 5. Section 5 imposes what's called a preclearance regime, meaning that before any of these jurisdictions could uh, change any type of election law, be it redistricting, be it moving a polling station, they had to get approval from the Department of Justice or a special court in Washington. Uh, Section 5 is currently inoperable because the Supreme Court struck down its coverage formula, Section 4, in that Shelby County case the last week of June. Uh, and so now the Holder Justice Department is figuring out how it wants to proceed uh, in jurisdictions where it thinks there may be uh, residual voting discrimination. All right. So what has Eric Holder done without the benefit of congressional action? Well, he's made a couple of speeches uh, to the NAACP and to the Urban League, uh, spelling out, first of all, that he, of course, disagrees with the Supreme Court's ruling and urges Congress to pass a new Section 4, that is, a coverage formula based on something more recent than voting and registration statistics from the 60s. But before that happens, he is going to use Sections 2 and 3. And sorry to get into the weeds and technicalities of this, but that's uh, how this thing works. Section 2... Uh, goes after discrete uh, instances of racial discrimination in voting or other violations of the Voting Rights Act. So if a private individual, a group, or the Department of Justice finds some instance of discrimination in voting, they can file a, a lawsuit and costs can be shifted. There's all sorts of provisions to enforce these individual violations. And I'm, I, I'm hopeful uh, that the lawyers that had been uh, uh, spending all their time on Section 5 compliance at the Department of Justice will now shift to something like that. Section 3 is something that uh, Eric Holder has already begun to file briefs on in Texas with respect to Texas voter ID and redistricting. Uh, Section 3 is the so-called bail-in provision. So there's another part of, uh, of the Voting Rights Act that allowed covered jurisdictions to bail out of Section 5 if they could prove certain fairly onerous standards. Section 3 is the bail-in. That is, if um, a court finds instances of of racial discrimination in voting that are so severe or systemic um, that the uh, only suitable remedy is to effectively cover them with this preclearance regime, not to apply Section 5 to them, but effectively do the same thing under Section 3, uh, then that's what they're going to do. And, and the Justice Department uh, has supported some of the challengers to Texas's latest election regulations, hoping to get Texas covered uh, uh, ultimately by the same sort of preclearance regime uh, as was in place before the Supreme Court opinion. So a more rigorous application, or I should say more zealous application of Section 3 is what Holder is trying to attempt in lieu of Section 4. Well, Section 3 has not been used very much historically. Only seven times has a jurisdiction been bailed in. Two states, Arkansas and New Mexico, and New Mexico has since uh, gotten relieved of its uh, obligations under that. Uh, uh, five cities and uh, or five counties in one city. Uh, and that's because Section 5 was there to cover most of the actors that the Department of Justice probably would have been going uh, after under Section 3 uh, anyway. Uh, the, the interesting thing about Section 3 is that it's discretionary 
um, the, the, the judge, the court, and ultimately the Supreme Court has a lot of leeway in determining uh, whether this so-called ultimate, strictest possible remedy is suitable. Because when there are violations of the Voting Rights Act, it's not just, well, we find a violation, therefore you're now subject to preclearance for 10 years or for life or what have you. They can impose fines. They can just say, stop doing that uh, under penalty of uh, criminal sanction. There's lots of things, remedies that courts uh, can craft. And indeed, most of the times, um, as I mentioned, of these seven times that the Section 3 has been invoked, it's not been a final court ruling. It's been a so-called consent decree, meaning that the jurisdiction that's being investigated doesn't want to spend any more time and, and money and resources fighting the allegations and just agrees to be subject to preclearance for a set time to be reviewed every one or five or ten years or what have you. So uh, getting back to your question, yes, this is a very strict a high burden that the Department of Justice or any plaintiff needs to meet to get uh, a jurisdiction like Texas bailed in, uh, and they will have to now establish that there was actually racial discrimination, that it rises to the level uh, of the same sorts of things for which Section 5 was originally put in, that is the extraordinary uh, devious uh, devices that were in place under Jim Crow, for example, that merited uh, what the Supreme Court correctly called in the 60s the extraordinary remedy uh, of having this effective uh, federal receivership or, or supervision over state election regulations. Now, you say that it's discretionary. Uh, do these uh restrictions that would be placed on particular jurisdictions that might have engaged in voting discrimination, do these sort of fade away after a time? Or is there some sort of application process that you go through to get out of it? It, it depends. Uh, and, and that's part of it being discretionary. The, the judge can impose uh, different kinds of regimes. As I said, New Mexico had a 10-year consent decree, and then they got out from under it. Other jurisdictions have permanent ones, so they effectively have to show the same thing that uh, uh, the previously Section 5 covered jurisdictions would have had to show to bail out uh, under a different provision of the Voting Rights Act. So it just depends on how the particular order, the, the judicial, the injunction, uh, what have you, is, is written. Uh, and I think this is all, you know, I, I, I question, I'm a little cynical about uh, Attorney General Holder's motives because he's tended to use uh, some of these uh, developments to fan uh, the flames of uh, racial demagoguery, for lack of a better term, for partisan gain. Uh, so I'm not sure what exactly he wants to do. But I think uh, in terms of what's going to be going on in the courts, it's a healthy situation because uh, either this massive racial discrimination will be proven and the correct remedy applied, uh, or uh, or it won't. And in either case, the system will have proved to be working, uh, thereby uh, undermining the, the case for Section 5 again in the first place. And as you noted, that this Section 3 applies to extremely severe or systemic uh, voting irregularities that can be uh, more easily dealt with. In effect, those aren't the magic words. I don't want to say that that's the, the exact uh, standard. Because this has been uh, applied so rarely, 
Uh, there's there's not that much case law on it, and as I said, most of these are consent orders rather than a final judgment. But but in effect, yes, this is not just uh, you show one section two violation, one instance of racial discrimination, and automatically you're eligible for the presumption is that you're going to be subject to preclearance. So it, it's going to be something more than just uh, you know a few people were were denied the right to vote or. Um, you know, uh, instances of incompetence or shenanigans of various kinds. There has to be some sort of, uh, for, again, these aren't magic words, but effectively something widespread, systemic, uh, severe that cannot be cured uh, in another manner other than this very broad brush, uh, ultimate sanction, I like to call it, of federal preclearance. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. You can get your copy of the soon-to-be-released Cato Supreme Court Review at our website, cato.org.